Amen. Thank you for being here and making this a priority today. I'm, j I'm just glad that we're here. And I'm glad that the Lord is here. I believe he has some things he wants to do today. And speak to us. I'm going to invite you to turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I referenced this verse uh, about a week ago. I don't remember exactly which service it was now. But I want to start here today, remind you of what this verse says. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. If you're going to go to God, you've got to believe that he's there. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I, I think most of us, if not all of us, that are here today believe that there is a God. We, amen? amen? We believe that he exists. And I think further than that, I believe that most, if not all of us, want to know him, want to fellowship with him, want to have a life dedicated to him. I was thinking about that today on a Sunday. What's, what, how did I even know that there was going to be anybody else here besides me? Well, I, I'm looking at a group of dedicated individuals. That not, You're not dedicated to me or to this church building. You're, you're dedicated to the Lord. And as a part of that, you fellowship, you, you come to events, you, you participate, you give yourselves to ministry, to prayer, to worship, all those things. And, and, and so I'm, I know that I'm talking to people that already believe in God and, and are desiring a relationship with Him. But what I feel like today is that the Lord wants to help us know Him more. Know Him more. I'm starting with this verse because I think that's the easy place to start for anybody. We've got to believe that he exists. We've got to believe that he is. That's a starting point. Now, I have believed that he is, that he exists, and that he is who the Bible says he is. I believed that for 35 years now, almost 36 years, and... Still, I would tell you, honestly, I don't fully know him. I know he exists. I've had lots of good talks with him. I have lots of uh, different proof 
in my life that he is. But more so than just saying that he is and then giving him 30 years or 40 years or 50, however long it is, I want to know him more. I want to know him in a deeper way. I want to understand him as much as I possibly can. I'll be the first one to tell you I, I miss a lot of things sometimes. Uh, you know, sometimes Captain Obvious has to come and sit down next to me and say, let me tell you what you missed, point this out to you. So I can miss some things sometimes. And even still, even if I was smarter than what I am, I would still not know and be able to fully know and comprehend who Jesus is and all these different things about him if it were not for his help. I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad that he wants to help us and give us understanding, revelation of who he is. Because without that, we would be in trouble. John chapter 1, verse 1. I know you've heard this verse. I'm sure you've heard me read some of these passages, but I, I feel like the Lord wants us to see this and hear this today. In the beginning was the Word. Now, I mentioned this, I think it was on Tuesday night, in, in reference to Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created so he he existed before the beginning right amen before the beginning he existed and same goes for john 1 1 in the beginning he existed before the beginning in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the Word was God. You cannot separate. I love how the Bible says uh, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And I, I've never even thought about that in this context until just right now. God joined himself to the Word. What God joins together. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same, verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. In the beginning God, in the beginning the same with God. The Word. Give me just a minute to explain to you that when, the, when John uses that word, W-O-R-D, word, the Greek word is logos, or logos, L-O-G-O-S. Logos was in the beginning with God. Logos was with God. Logos was God, the word. Logos is what God says. Logos is what God thinks. Logos is what God does. It's Him in action, His Word in action. That's the Logos. 
Now, that doesn't mean that before we had heaven and earth, there was this leather-bound book of about 700 pages in Old Testament, and not the Word as in the Bible that you might be holding right now. The Word, Logos, who He is, was God. In the beginning with God, with God was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Jump down to verse 14. We're still talking about Logos. And the Word was made flesh. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That means Logos became a person. Flesh. It's what we call Flesh, people, right? The Word was made flesh, a human being. I wanted to make sure you get this because it's important. The Word became or was made flesh dwelt among us and we beheld his glory that means we saw what he looked like we saw what he looked who who wrote this who wrote this book john the saint john one of the disciples one of the apostles john says we Beheld his glory. We saw what he looked like. Who? The Word. Right? The Word that was made flesh. We saw him. We saw what he looked like. He was a human being. We beheld his glory. What did he look like? Who did he look like? The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. That's who he looked like. We, be, we, we saw him. We saw what he looked like. He looked like the only begotten Son of the Father. The only begotten of the Father. To, to have a begotten means the only one like it. There's nothing else like it. I, I, I thought, uh, let me be honest with you for a minute, I, I used to think of the term begotten and think about how we got here. The only born, right? The only, the one that went through that process and, and all of this. No, there, what it really speaks to is his uniqueness. The only, did Jesus had brothers and sisters. Did you know that? Right? So he, he wasn't an only child. He had brothers and sisters. They had a different father, but the same mother. And the scripture caused them, his brothers, his sisters. 
So he's not an only child as far as Mary's only boy. He's the only one that got here the way that he did. Unique in that sense. We saw him, we saw what he looked like, and we, we, when we saw him, we realized there's nobody else that looks like him. He looks like the Father. The Father. Not my Father, not your Father, the Father. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. I've never seen another man that looked like him. What do you mean? Did he have a nose? Yeah, he had a nose. Did he have eyes? Yeah, he had eyes. Did he have elbows halfway down his arms? He sure did. So what do you mean? You never saw another one that looked like him. He was the only, there was nothing, no one else like him. You know, most people, they say you look like your mom or your dad or a mix of the two. Well, think about it. He's the only one with that dad. So who's, who else has the attributes of that? No one. It's him. Full of grace and truth. The word was made flesh. He was in the beginning with God. As I, was, as I was reading through these scriptures and preparing what the Lord might do today, when I just read those three verses, John 1, 1, 1, 2, and 1, 14, I got that far and I felt the Lord prompt me to, to ask a question. The question that he, I felt like he prompted me to ask is what we just talked about, the only begotten son, the only one. Is this a part of God? I have to let that sink in for a minute because it, when I, I'm trying to understand and and relate to and think you know is the lord given me something that he's never given me before is it what is the what's the importance of that question is he a part of god and i'll be honest with you my mind as i tried to think of an answer i really i didn't realize at first that i wasn't supposed to think of an answer i tried to think of an answer and i thought well i i guess so seems like it he was a part of god and like, uh, I've only felt very few times in my life, I felt a ministering spirit of revelation come to me to answer that question. Is he a part? Was this a part of God? I'm telling you, I, I've, I've been doing this for a while, Okay? I have a card, it's not in my wallet, but I can show it to you, that shows I hold a license as a minister. They don't just give those out to anybody. You've got to prove a little bit that you have tried to understand some things. I, I'm saying that to let you know 
I try to understand who I have been for many years, 35 years, tried to figure out and know who is Jesus. And I, I can think of one other time I was working in an in a office down in Granger, and just on a break, I was praying or reading the Bible, something like that, and then all of a sudden, it's like it came through the window of the office there. Angelic presence that was there to let me know something in the Bible that I needed to know, that he wanted me to know. I can, I can tell you all day the things that I want you to know. But at the end of the day, that's not going to do you good. It's not what you need to hear. You need to hear, we need to hear what he wants us to know. So I've got Jesus, the only begotten son, the, the man Christ Jesus, the one that walked on this earth. And, the, and this whole time I'm trying to figure out how exactly is he who I think he is? How did he become or do or relate to what I, what I feel like is true? Let me pose this question one more time. Is this a part of God? Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. This is the answer that the Lord gave me to that question. Jesus Christ, the man that walked the earth. For in him dwelleth. Him here is talking about Jesus Christ. In him dwelleth all the fullness. Would you say all the fullness? In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I saw that and I realized the answer to the question just like that. The answer is no, he's not a part of God. Him walking on the earth was not a part of God. He was the fullness of God. Bodily. Bodily. Say bodily. Why? Why did he have to be bodily? Why couldn't it just continue in the beginning, continue like it was in the beginning? Because the body was the lamb. The body was the sacrifice. The body had to be born so that it could die. It's not a part of, of God. It's not one-third 
of God. It's not one half of God. It is the fullness of the Godhead. What is the Godhead? The Godhead is the total attributes of God. Everything that makes God who and what he is. All of that dwelled in him bodily, in human form. This is again why he is unique, why he's only begotten, the only one like this. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Go back to John chapter 1. Don't be confused because this is St. John writing about John the Baptist, okay? John 1, 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. I'm sure most of you have heard, you, you know the story about Mary and Elizabeth. Elizabeth was six months pregnant when Mary went to her, pregnant with John the Baptist, when Mary went to her and said, the angel just told me this is going to happen to me. Six months apart in our, in our physical time, on the timeline that we know and relate to, John the Baptist was six months ahead. But here we see him saying, this is he who was preferred before me, for he was before me. He existed before me. He was who he was before I became who I am. After me come. So John realized my part, it's like I'm little, a little insert between the beginning and him coming after me. This is me. This is my part. He was before me. And I knew him not. Verse 31. I, I, I've never seen this before. I, I'm honest with you. I probably quoted this verse as a kid and still didn't know what it meant. I knew him not. But that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. It makes a little bit more sense. If you realize that John the Baptist got this revelation right here, instead of being the six-month-older cousin when he's one-year-old and two-year-old and three-year-old and four-year-old and come here, little Jesus dude, <laughs> you know, my little cousin. I, he did not saying that I didn't know I had a cousin named Jesus. He's saying I didn't know that Jesus was the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world until I started doing what I'm supposed to do. Otherwise, I'd be out here going, hey, you all need to meet my cousin Jesus. Right? I didn't know him 
until I started doing this. And he's out there preaching. And all of a sudden, there's a crowd already gathered and more are coming. And one of those in the crowd is the cousin, Jesus. And John looks and says, look at him. That's what behold means. Look at him, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. You want to talk about an introduction. You want to talk about some necks bending. This guy that came to hear you preach? I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I am come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw this spirit. This is after Jesus has, after, after John has baptized Jesus. John's calling back to that memory. Uh, uh, John bare record saying, I saw this spirit, verse 20, 32, descending from heaven like a dove and an abode on him. And again, he says, and I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me. OK, let's pause. We're going to have to go a little slower. Who sent John the Baptist to do what he was doing? God. You remember all the way back when he was still in the womb and the angel showed up to the father, Zachariah, Zacharias. And he said, this is who your son's going to be and this is what he's going to do. John had that, that, that calling, that appointment from birth. So he who sent me to do what I'm doing. The same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. So the Spirit wasn't in Jesus until then? No, that's not what that means. John didn't see it until then. The Spirit descending and remaining on him. The same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. During John the Baptist's day, there was no such thing as the word Trinity. Or even a thought about God being in three persons. There wasn't. There was only, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. One God. That one God sent an angel to John the Baptist's father and said, Your son is going to prepare the way for the Lord. Who are you? I'm an angel of God. Uh... What's he going to do? Prepare the way for the Lord. Uh, that Lord? Yeah, that Lord. Not a different Lord. Not, a, not a, a second Lord. The Lord. He's going to prepare a way for the Lord. Making his path straight. Okay, so he's, he's the God that sent you here. 
and he's going to have a path on the earth to walk. You got it. So John just know so somewhere in his personal time with God, God told John the Baptist, "Okay, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a little bit of insight. I'm going to give you a clue, a hint. You know you're supposed to prepare the way for the Lord, the Messiah, the chosen one, the Holy One, you are his forerunner. No, that's not just an SUV. I used to want one of those things. You are his forerunner. And when you see the Spirit, what Spirit? My Spirit. Descending on him. Now, this, this also, this has to let me know that John had some insight. He didn't know who the man was, but he knew the purpose of the man. He knew his plan, the one that baptizes with the Holy Ghost. What's the Holy Ghost? It's my spirit that I'm going to give to people. This was said in Joel all the way back in the Old Testament, right? In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Upon all flesh. So John knew that, but you know who else knew that? Everybody else that lived around John. He wasn't the the only one with a Bible, the only one with access to the Old Testament. They all knew this, but, but the Lord told John, here's how you will know which one it is. When you see the Spirit descending on him and staying on him that's the one that will baptize with the holy ghost and i saw verse 34 john talking i saw and bear record that this is the son of god again the next day after john stood and two of his disciples hang on You know the term son of God is not in the Old Testament? It's not. This is how they started to refer to Jesus. The Old Testament just gives prophecies, promises that one will come. A chosen one, a holy one. That's what the Old Testament says. And then it says, Isaiah is the one that says, For unto us a son is born, unto us a a child is given, unto us a son is born. The government shall be upon his shoulder. You shall call his name, Wonderful, Counselor, the... What are you going to call him? You're going to call him the mighty God? You're going to call him the mighty God? You're going to call him? Hang on, hang on. Who said this? The prophet, Isaiah, the one that speaks on behalf of God. Which God? The God that said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
I'm so lost. How many gods are we talking about? The same God that said, I alone am God, beside me there is no other, and I will not share my glory with another, said Isaiah. They're going to call him the mighty God. That's right. The everlasting Father. Who said that? The everlasting Father. Said, you're going to call this the everlasting Father. Okay, but time out. The only way that I can even get close to identifying any of that is I'll call him the Son of God because that's how he got here. Right? That's how he got here, through Mary. The Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary, so the dad is God, or the Holy Ghost, or the Father. Which one? The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. Verse 35, again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, behold, the Lamb of God. Stay with me. Verse 37, and the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Jump down to verse 40. One of the two which heard John speak and followed was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and says to him, this is verse 30, verse 41. We have found Messiah, or Messiah. Andrew goes and tells his brother, we have found Messiah. We have found Messiah. John the Baptist is out there preaching, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God. What he means by that is Messiah, the chosen one, the one that's going to take away the sins of the world. This is who Jesus is. It makes total sense to me that he, there could not be a second person that could do all the things that the first person really did, or we would start worshiping the second person. Oh, I love God. He's my Father and He's my Creator. But I also love Jesus because He's the one that died on the cross for me and took away my sins. Oh, and I love the Holy Ghost because I feel that Spirit. And whoo! I love all three of them. Okay, which one are you going to serve? The Bible says no man can serve two masters. Oh, hang on. I, I think they're kind of like one. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll make up something. That, this, that I can use to describe them as one. I'm not interested in that.
the Messiah. John chapter 4, verse 22. I think I'm almost done. This is my last passage. John chapter 4, verse 22. You probably know some of this passage. Jesus is speaking to a woman, a Samaritan woman. uh, There's more. There's much more than this. I'm not going there. At another another time, Jesus calls his disciples and he says, Who do men say that I am? Well, some think you're John the Baptist. Some think you're Elias. Some think you're another one of the prophets. Who do you think I am? Thou art the Christ. And he said, Tell no man this. I don't want you going around telling them that's who I am. Why not? I want them to find it out for themselves. I want them to be presented with all the information. I want them to be presented with all the facts as they apply to their lives and let them see for themselves who I am. Case in point, the woman at the well. John 4, I'm going to read just quickly, 22. We're picking up in the middle of their conversation. Jesus tells tells her, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Next verse. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Next verse. God is a spirit. Imagine who this is that's talking to her. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. Having a conversation with her. And that's why he can do things like read her mail. That's a Pentecostal term. That means he can tell her all the stuff that nobody else knows about her. Like you've had five husbands. And the one you're with now is not your husband. That's the fullness of the Godhead inside him speaking to her. This is also the fullness of the Godhead speaking to her, telling her God is spirit. The word A is italicized. It's, it's not really in there. You can take it out and it's, it means the same thing. God is spirit. Spirit in nature. God is Okay, well, hang on, time out. I'm going back to this one. Who are you then? Who is Jesus? God is spirit, but a man is standing here having a conversation. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Next verse. The woman says unto him, I know that Messiah will come. Ooh, I sound so Christian when I say that. I know that Messiah will come. Which is called Christ. I know there's a Messiah. I know we call him Christ. The chosen one, the holy one, the anointed one. When he is come, he will tell us all things. 
That's almost like I'm done with this conversation. You've said your part. I've said my part. We disagree. We'll leave it there. We'll let the one who really knows and has all the answers address this whenever he comes. Next verse. Jesus says to her, I that speak unto thee am he. So, I'm the one that's telling you all things. I have told, she already told him, Lord, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Once he started telling her, her past and her history, okay, you want to have a spiritual conversation because you're a spiritual guy? All right, you're a prophet. Let's have a spiritual conversation. What do you know about, hmm? What do you know about the Bible? Uh, go ahead, tell me, tell me what you know. That sounds good. Now let me tell you what I know. And then there's this, and there's what you know, and there's what I know. And you're on that side, and I'm on this side. We'll let the Lord deal with this. Whew. I'm the Lord. That's what he told her. I that speak unto thee, I am Christ. I am Messiah, and I am the Godhead bodily in me. He didn't use these words, but this is the spirit inside him that's speaking and ministering to her. I that speak unto thee am he. And verse 27, upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Why don't you stand? I'm getting ready to close here. Again, I'm going to point out to you. Jesus didn't go around trying to promote the fact that he was the Messiah. He had time after time, if he could, if he wanted to do that, that he could have. Another time, when Jesus is getting ready to ride into town on a donkey, he even tells his disciples, go in there, find it, Bring it back to me. And if somebody stops you and says, hey, hey, whoa, what do you think you're doing? He said, tell them that the master requires it. That's how he referred to himself that time. Not tell them Messiah. Not tell them the Christ. Tell them the master requires it. Why? Because he knew that owner needed to hear from these gentlemen nothing about a Messiah, nothing about Christ. He needed to hear the Master requires it. I'm telling you, the Lord will speak to you. Raise your hand and say, me. The Lord will speak to you the way that you need to hear who he is. I was sitting right there in the prayer room 
And I was sitting, reading that Bible, reading the scripture in John 1, and, and, and I'm thinking, okay, I see it. I see God. I see Jesus. I see John and his role in all this. Uh, but, I, I, you know, who, who, is, who is really Jesus? Because was he just like a, a certain one of these guys? Was he, uh, was he some superhuman, you know? And no sooner did I get to ask the question, and he gave me the answer. In him dwelleth all the fullness. And that's what I needed to hear. It was how I needed to hear it. I'm just sharing with you what he gave me to share. I'm not going to sit here and try to beat you with the Bible over the head until you confess. (laughs) That's not my job. I don't have to do that. This Bible even says every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. What does that mean? When, when When a person confesses that Jesus is Lord, what does that mean to the glory of the Father? It means that now the Father is seen the way He needs to be seen. The glory of the Father. Not, not, oh yeah, the proud dad gets to say, oh yes, another one realizes how important my son is. Not that kind of glory. The glory of the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I'm going to close your eyes if you would. I'm going to tell you this. I quoted this scripture once already. It's Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love him with all of thy heart, with all of thy mind, and with all of thy strength. you to pray. I I know the presence of the Lord is here. I know that there are I know that there's a spirit of revelation here, not because of me, but because of what I feel. And I want to give you a chance to respond. Let's pray. Come on, the front of this altar is open. If you want to pray where you're at, I'm encouraging you. Let the Lord speak to you. Come on, let the Lord speak to you. Jesus Christ, you are Lord. You are Lord over all the earth. You were there in the beginning. You were there in the beginning. By you was all things made. Without you, there was nothing that was made. Jesus, you are my Lord. You're my Savior. You are my King. Lord, and I know that you want to speak to me. You want to relate to me in a personal way. You want to show me who you are in a deeper way. Lord, you want to walk with me. You want to spend every day with me, Lord. 
Jesus, you will continue to show me. You will continue to prove to me and build my faith in who you are. Jesus, you are Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord what he's worthy of. Give the Lord what he's worthy of. You are Lord. Every knee will bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You are Lord. You came to the earth. The Word was made flesh for me. The Word was made flesh, took on a bodily form for me to to live and to die, to take away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Come on, just open your heart to the Lord. Would you just open your heart to the Lord?
Praise the Lord, church. Uh, aren't you glad that we got to know who our God is, the one that we worship, the one that we praise, the one that we came to exalt? Aren't you glad that we got that revelation today? Because I know there's a lot of people, they're a little confused with this, but I thank you, Pastor, for uh, explaining that to us, giving us that revelation, and I, I thank you for that. And I hope that everyone understood. And I mean, God is so good and so gracious that he brought us here today. He had a purpose for each and every one of you. And I know that you're going to leave and you're going to be blessed because of the word that was planted in your hearts. Because we need it. This is something that we need. We need to know. They had an inscription to the unknown God. They didn't even know who they were worshiping. But we know who we worship. We know who our God is. We know who we came here to praise, to exalt, and to worship. And that's why I thank him so much. And uh, uh, I just want to thank God for uh, seeing every one of you here, that you came here. Because this, this is a blessing we get to. I don't know if you've heard, there's a lot of pastors being arrested for having church. They're closing their churches. They're, I mean, look, look at us. We're, we're free here to come here to worship, to praise God. We're not bound by anything. We don't have policemen coming and watching us. But I, I just want to thank God. And uh, I just want to say a quick prayer before we're dismissed. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for giving us the understanding of you, who you are, who we worship, who we praise. Thank you, Lord. We know you are the Son of God. We know who you are. We know you walked on this earth. We know you did a lot of miracles, and you're still doing them. Your blood is still powerful. And we thank you, Lord, and we praise you in the name of Jesus. And uh, thank you all for being here, and uh, you're dismissed, and go in the power of the Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.